You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Good morning, sire. Wow, you look like you were about to say something. Ooh, I was, but that was that was good. That was smooth. That was a smooth intro, Josiah. What were you going to say? I was going to say, I've tried something new recently. What? I've tried. Are you ready for this? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to find out. It's not, it's not that exciting. <laughs> Millions of people have tried this. It's just oh. new to me. I've finally tried, is what some people are saying. Oh, finally. Oh, fuck. Ten minutes in the podcast, I tell you what I tried. <laughs> um, I finally had the opportunity to try an everything bagel with avocado. Oh. It is one of the best things I've ever eaten really? in my entire life. Where did you... Local coffee shop, almost heaven. Oh, they have wow. I'm, as soon as we're done, I'm going to go there. <laughs> I skipped <laughs> breakfast. Like, he's like, I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> it's so good. I realize LA has cornered the market on this and they've sure. like been there, done that. But <laughs> I'm over here in West Virginia and I just got the opportunity to try one. <laughs> my word, is it good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You have like in the in the like top tier of foods, you have the margarita pizza. Can't yeah. beat it. Right? Sure, sure. Any good cereal, number two. <laughs> Everything bagel with avocado. <laughs> it's my number three food right now. Pretty amazing. Just thought everyone else needed to know my top three, I guess. I don't know why I do that. Go buy Ethan a margarita pizza and an everything bagel. Well, let me tell you, if you want recommendations for a margarita pizza, Mountain State. Yeah, Mountain State pizza is... Best one around. Very Best good. margarita pizza. Yeah. I am more of a meat lover's pizza at mm. Mountain State in yeah. particular because they have this chipotle sauce that they Ooh, put on it. That is very good. Or it, it sounds very good. I've not had it, but I like chipotle excellent. sauce. Yeah. My favorite pizza around here, though, in general, is mm. from Primandi Brothers. Dude. They make the best pizza around here. You're not kidding. Yeah. This is not a paid advertisement, just to be clear. <laughs> no sponsorship Cause, here. Because what I'm about to say is going to sound like it. Their personal pizza yeah. is so affordable. Oh, yes. What on earth? <laughs> Do they know that? Do they know it's that cheap? <laughs> Do the people at corporate understand? <laughs> it's three toppings. And it's less than a $10 bill. Oh, yeah. You walk in there with a $10 bill, and you could probably <laughs> still tip the person. Admittedly, it wouldn't be huge, but I think it would still be appropriate for the extremely low price of a personal pan pizza. <laughs> Dang. What a great... That's that's where you want to go for a personal it is, pizza. It is. It is. Especially if you were into the chewy crust. Chewy, chewy crust. That's, that's right. really... Mm. The ingredients are excellent, they but are. also the chewy crust is really... That's my favorite. Mm, man, it is making... My stomach growl even now <laughs> to think oh, about it because I too yeah. skipped breakfast. Unrelated mm. to getting an everything bagel with avocado or anything like that, yeah. I just missed out on One breakfast today. And mm. you know, gonna be doing stuff later in the afternoon. It's like I'll just you know wait for put it like off. a late lunch or something, you oh. know, or an early lunch or you know whatever, whatever food, you know, you gotta eat it. Whatever the whatever the the Lord wills. Yes, Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise <laughs> the Lord. You know, mm. which uh, hey, you know, the Lord willed some stuff once. He does all the time. That sounded all really. The time. Yeah, all the time. But he does. Specifically. But specifically, he willed covenants Whoa. in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If he instigated, I would assume so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was the will of God. <laughs> no, no. One of the most important features of the Bible is covenants. And I thought it would be fun to talk about that a little bit today and in some subsequent episodes. Yeah. Even. The very fact that we refer to the Old Testament and the New Testament is a reflection of this, actually, mm-hmm. like the importance of the covenant structure of Scripture. The word testament comes from the Latin word testamentum, which was a rendering for the basic covenant idea out of the out of the Greek and the Hebrew, right? I so like that word. Even when you refer to, oh, when well, you're reading the Old Testament and the New Testament, you're appealing to covenant ideas. Mm-hmm. So it's very important, obviously. And covenants figure prominently 
in Scripture. Explicitly, we see God himself establish covenants with Noah, Abraham, Moses and Israel, and David, and the prophets speak of a new covenant that figures, shall we say, most prominently <laughs> uh, for anyone who would be counted among God's people. Mm. So, Yeah. Well, I think like you might hear a lot about new covenant, old covenant debates. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of times people are using that as shorthand for like new and old testament yeah mm-hmm. kind of arguments i suppose but what i tend to forget is that a litany of people like you said had these personal covenants with god himself yeah like mm-hmm. that's that's pretty that's pretty unique like covenant with humanity on a grand scale sure <laughs> of course like i would expect <laughs> some kind of like defined relationship between creator and created yeah depending on is that explicit is it not whatever i am yeah. not surprised by that but every time we're reminded of like the quote-unquote small moments mm-hmm. of like personal connection yeah but they're also covenants yeah <laughs> that's kind of amazing actually. it is it really is so these are obviously important in scripture but the question does remain given all those things that we have just said what is a covenant oh, anyway that's you know what good. i mean like that, what is it let's define these terms what is a covenant and why do they figure so prominently in scripture because i mean you'll see references to the covenants that not only God made all over the pages of the Bible, but like just all kinds of people making covenants like yeah. with one another. So, you know, what are they and what gives, basically? <laughs> and if you have such questions, that's just what we're here to help uh, with. As always, right. your friends at the podcast, Cyanide, <laughs> here to solve all the quandaries and conundrums. So, yeah, the plan actually is this would kind of be uh, like another one of our sort of mini-series that we've yeah. done, you know, like we've done on the Lord's Prayer, Ten Commandments, that kind of stuff. We'll uh, go through and examine each of the major covenants in Scripture and see how they relate to the overall plan of salvation that's spelled out in the New Testament to the gospel. But before we start those discussions, we really do need to talk about what a covenant is, yeah. biblically speaking. Like, it's a great, going, great you place, know, the first episode. Great place to do is, it. And to find our terms and talk about why they do indeed matter. So for the bulk of this discussion, I'm pulling pretty heavily from a great book called Christ of the Covenants by a theologian named O. Palmer Robertson. Great book, not super, super long. Not super short either. You know, it's a nice, <laughs> nice, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, like you're not, it's not like one of these like tomes. It's like, yeah. oh, it's, you know, 800 pages of like Ooh, the institutes oh, or something. Yeah. But it's also not like, oh, it's, you know, a nice little 80 page. You know, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, it's, 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 it's not a pamphlet. Right. Yes. It's a, it's a decently sized book <laughs> that uh, really gets into this and I uh, highly recommend it for those of you who are further interested in this field of theology. So the short of it is Robertson defines a covenant as a bond in blood sovereignly administered. Mm. And he's highlighting several important things in that definition. So we'll just break down a few. First of all, he's highlighting the fact that a covenant is an oath-bound commitment entered into by distinct parties. Okay. Mm. Okay. Not to stop you right here. That's so good. So <laughs> and I'm not, I doubt this is even the primary thrust, but does this also imply that both parties are always voluntary? Mm-hmm. Like, like a covenant cannot simply be saddled on to an unwitting party mm-hmm. yep. or even inherited. I have a feeling maybe they could be inherited. Can they be inherited? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's a great, great question. So when you see God specifically making mm-hmm. covenants in Scripture, like we take one of the more famous examples would be like the covenant at Sinai with Israel. Mm-hmm. I believe it's three separate times God asks, basically, do you accept the terms Whoa. of the covenant? And they say, yes, we do. Whoa. We accept okay, the terms yeah. of the covenant. That's pretty explicit. Um, so in that sense, yes, I, mm-hmm. you would say it's voluntary. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get down to 
a sense in which, I don't want to say it's involuntary, but when we say voluntary, it's not like we're necessarily on equal footing. Like, it makes right. it sound like the parties are like... But you're not going to surprise attack someone by no, saying, be like, surprise, you're in covenant. covenant. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not like something like, boom, you're in the covenant. Now, having said that, when we talk about the Abrahamic covenant, especially, we're going to have a whole discussion of this. God establishes the covenant with Abraham, and this is something that is often overlooked in that passage in Genesis 17. He establishes the covenant with Abraham and with his offspring. Mm, whoa. So we'll have a whole discussion about that, because that figures... That that's, that's huge. Yeah. And lots of theological points to make around that. But yeah, so to your point, yeah, there's a sense in which like God is going to present the terms of the covenant mm. and say like, will you enter into that? Yeah. So let's take another example of this from the Old Testament though, in Joshua 9, okay? Joshua 9, that's the chapter that recounts the uh, so-called Gibeonite deception, mm. okay? So that's where you have this group of people from Gibeon who went to Joshua and the leaders of Israel and they went and they were wearing all these worn out clothes, mm-hmm. looked like they'd been on a long journey, sandals were worn out. They yeah, had- it costs a lot of money to look like you don't have any. Yeah, <laughs> dude, ironically. <laughs> like I'm like, you know, got all this dry, crumbly bread and our wineskins have burst. And they go to the Israelites to ask for a covenant of peace so mm. they're not destroyed, you know, because the Israelites are on the conquest of the land of Canaan. So they want to make a covenant of peace. And at first, the Israelites question this because they're like, how do we know that you're not one of the nations in our midst and this isn't some sort of ruse? And because they, we said so. Yeah, like, what, like <laughs> yeah, we said that. And look, like, look, like, oh, like, how else would we have looked like we got all these worn out clothes and our sandals, like, unless we had come from a very far country that yeah. really isn't in the land at all. We're just yeah. playing it safe. Well, Joshua and the people, rather than ask counsel of the Lord, they just like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, we'll make the covenant. We'll do that. And, uh, of course, it turns out that, sure enough, the people of Gibeon were actually right in the midst of the land yeah. that Joshua had been sent to conquer. But they'd made a covenant, and therefore, under the pain of death, they could not break it because okay. they'd sworn before the Lord that they would keep this covenant of peace. You know, so, for their time, it's pretty ingenious. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it really like, was. Like, that was really... <laughs> Really pretty cunning. Uh, I mean, yeah, it is. It's devious, but very clever. Yeah. I, mean, I would say it was easier to pull that off then. Yeah. No one, no one's checking like the latest cell tower your phone pinged off of. <laughs> now you got to get a VPN just to watch Netflix in a different country. But um, it's like it's, <laughs> this is like this is like a physical representation of a VPN. When when people you're like, what do you mean a VPN? You're like, it's like you wear cl- fake clothes and say you're from somewhere else. <laughs> But you're oh, definitely yes. not. I am from the fjords down here. Watch it. I I was walking the fjords. I can watch your thing in in oh. in, in Iceland, right? Yes. <laughs> like, wait, how do I know? Because my phone said so. <laughs> It can't lie. <laughs> and they make a covenant with you. They're like, oh, yes, you can watch our <laughs> our Netflix content. And then they're like, we can't go back under pain of contract breach, exactly. you know, or something like that. So, so yeah, so you see this element there, though, of where it's an oath-bound commitment that you're obligated not to break. Kind of heavy consequences. I it noticed. is. Yeah, they are very, very heavy. Now, of course, that was specifically an example of a human-to-human covenant, but it was still binding. So the question then becomes, you know, how much more is a covenant with God Almighty binding? Hmm. When he makes a covenant, which leads us to the next thing highlighted in Robertson's definition. It's a bond in blood. In other words, it's a life or death kind of agreement. That's that's the fancy way of saying that. Is every covenant under pain of death or is that limited to like with people or with God? The short answer is it depends. OK, so this is OK. So it's not always the death clause. Right. Now, in the case of the overall scheme of God's covenants, hmm. obviously, like if you're not included,
excluded, you think like even eschatologically at the end. Like if you're not in God's yeah. covenant, you're outside of it and therefore, I get you know, it. That makes sense. But yeah. there is a an element in which I don't know that you ever see covenant even between human to human. I'm kind of like scanning this off the top of my brain right now. So you'd have to fact check me on it later. But I don't even know if human to human covenants in scripture anyway ever have anything that's less than an implication of if you break this, may it be death wow. unto you because you're basically, I mean, you're swearing an oath to someone and typically yeah. you were doing that before like God Almighty. You're like in the presence mm-hmm. of God mm-hmm. before whom I stand, may I keep this oath. And so let's take another example of this. In Genesis 15, when God establishes his covenant with Abram, God told him to slaughter some animals, which were then cut in half and laid over against each other, which was actually a typical covenant cutting ceremony. So we get the term cut a covenant comes from that. Well, I, wow. You would cut the animals Ew. and it became a symbol. And mm. those animals symbolize what would happen if someone broke the covenant. Yeah, I see. So normally, now what would happen is if you've taken... You, you may recall like your, you know, high school history class where you talked about like the ancient world of Mesopotamia, the term Caesarean vassal covenant. You have a oh. vassal who's the lesser party who basically swears fidelity to a Caesarean, like the, the a warlord or a king or something like that. And they set the terms of the covenant and they say, you know, if you don't keep it, you know, walk through these animals, may it be to you <laughs> as to these animals if you break the covenant. And that was always, again, the lesser party would walk through the halves of these cut in half animals <laughs> basically to say, yeah, like may I be as these animals if I break the covenant, okay? Now in Genesis, is 15, here's what's really remarkable, and I think this is often overlooked in this passage. It is not Abraham who walks through the pieces, but God himself. God walks through the pieces to say, like, basically, like, may that <laughs> you just can't get a comment, like, may I be as these animals if I fail to keep this covenant. It's very, like, so it's like, that's that's really for the benefit of us humans. Yeah, yeah. You know, to say, like, just to show you in your terms. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not just me and my, like, lofty cosmic being, but I, yeah. like, in your language here is, yeah. that's interesting. Wow. That, but it's also, Oh, so much heavier. <laughs> yeah. And I I cannot imagine making that kind of pledge. Like, yeah. I don't want to bleed an animal. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I don't want to bet my own literal life on perfectly upholding something. Right. Especially yeah. by someone else's perspective. I mean. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they come in and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, with, I mean, with the Gibeonites, they, they really had nothing to lose. Yeah. Aside from that, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, total sidebar, and I can't believe it took me this long to think of, but everyone likes to misrepresent the blood is thicker than water bit. Oh, to, yeah. yeah. To suggest, like, family ties are the strongest, I guess, compared to water. <laughs> I feel like that wasn't super thought-through interpretation. <laughs> and it wasn't. Yeah. Um, because, yeah. And here's, like, the big caveat. I actually have to weaken my point before I make it. Isn't that fun? The <laughs> actual like original phrase as i found out is much different different context and it is interesting but it's also not relevant here because <laughs> uh, other modern interpretations that may or may not be super valid mm-hmm. at least attempts some consistency I would say like the full statement is, is more like the blood of the pact or covenant ah uh, yes mm-hmm. is thicker than the water of the womb mm-hmm. suggesting that abundant blood yeah or i guess more casually speaking like the chosen bond is stronger than those you never had a say in mm-hmm. or like the ones of mere circumstance. Yeah, it's interesting. And that even again, that like some of that discussion will come up in like the Abrahamic Ooh. covenant discussion. Ooh. So that'll be that'll be fun and interesting. So yeah, you have all that going on. And then the third thing to note out of Robertson's definition that a covenant is a bond and blood sovereignly administered is that especially when we're talking about God's covenants, they are sovereignly administered. Like yeah. in other words, there's no bargaining <laughs> with God over the covenant. Like he sets the terms and you either are like 
yes, that's great. Or you're like, <laughs> uh, no, I'm out. You know what I mean? Like, so. Okay. So I, I, okay. I have like a, what about this? But I know it's like, I know it's kind of like not exactly the right point. I'm just curious at where yeah, this yeah, will no. take us. Mm-hmm. When Abraham's like, please no, 50 righteous people. Oh, yeah. And then mm-hmm. he constantly brings down that yeah. bet mm-hmm. down yeah. to like 10. Um, and God like willingly and repeatedly and consistently relents to his request. Yes. Now, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, we all know how the story ends. Yes. But <laughs> point being yeah. that like he, in it, I, surely this is not the only example in scripture. It's the one I can think of yeah. where God like willingly says, oh, well, okay. Like, right. In yes. this unbelievable amount of like uh, p- patience. Yes. Right. <laughs> what patience would I have for an ant? <laughs> None. Um, but, you know, in, ter- in terms of like because of this and because of the language and everything, it's not a covenant per se. It's just, I don't know, like request and acknowledgement. Yeah. Yeah. So like, oh, we could have like an hours long discussion on that. But suffice it to say for the scope of what we're talking about here is that so by the time Abraham in Genesis 19 there, he is in that covenant with God. Like that covenant has been established. So like being in the covenant with God is what gives him the grounds oh. to make that kind of request of God. And he's like, and he's willing to do it. Pretty, he words that carefully. Yes. And I'm like, bro, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I think, I think I'd be more nervous than you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so because that's the other thing is like you do see often there at scripture people making requests of God. Yeah. And we are told make requests of God, like make your concerns and anxieties known to him, like down to the least possible thing. And sometimes it even seems like things have shifted, like willingly shifted the course of events as they otherwise would have proceeded. Yes. And where I would, you know, again, we don't have a ton of time to like get into all the finer points of this, but where I would distinguish that is to say that you get to make those kinds of requests because of the covenant and you are in the covenant. Okay. And so like when God says, hey, you can be in my covenant or not, you don't get to negotiate those terms. It's like, oh Lord, I know you said that this covenant would require take the covenant at Sinai again. Like, oh, keep the law. However, Lord, what if we said no to the law? Like we want the covenant, but no law. He's going to be like, no bargaining there. You're in it or you're not. But being in the covenant is what gives you grounds to make those kinds of requests and to do that. And like I said, oh, we could have, we could have whole discussions on that, like metaphysical discussions, philosophical discussions, covenantal (laughs) intercession. But anyway, so for the scope of what we're talking about here though, as it relates to the covenant, yeah, it's not a covenant per se. It's the request he can make because he is in a Mm. covenant relationship with God. So taking all of this together, again, a covenant is a bond in blood, sovereignly administered in which God enters into relationship with his people. And that's really the heart of it. And Robertson argues that what unifies all the covenants of scripture that God makes and that we're going to examine is that foundational truth, that God will be our God and we will dwell with him as his people. He calls it the Emmanuel principle because, you know, Emmanuel, God with us. So these covenants are directly related to not just the relationships that God had with the recipients, the direct recipients of the covenants, but they also influence our understanding of our relationship today with God Hmm. and help us understand what it means to have him as our God and what it means for us to be his people. That'll be interesting to unpack. Yeah, yeah. I I have another question. Yes, please. While we're on the topic. Yeah. And again, I know this is like, I can sense, I can sense the explanation. It's just (laughs) a whisper away and I'm like... (laughs) I'm going to feel like an idiot. Um, But it's the question that comes to mind. I'm sure I'm not the only person. So we're talking about like how even people have entered into oaths Mm -hmm. and how these oaths are like kind of essentially taken before God. And then also I immediately think because it's just it's a fun verse to have discussions about. Yeah. About not swearing by hand or hell or any other oath. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Yeah. Which the thrust of that being maybe a little different. (laughs) But but it does specifically kind of point out 
taking an oath. Right. Why? Like, why or how does that square with this? Or is that a later caution to, like, for your benefit, Mm -hmm. don't trip yourself up in this territory and just be an individual of integrity? Yeah. And so I think you're nailing it on the head. So, like, a couple different verses come to mind. So you have, like, Solomon saying, like, don't ever take pledge for your neighbor as an example. Like, don't put yourself (laughs) in an oath commit where it's like, oh, I'm taking security, putting up security for you in a situation. Like, that's just, you're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble doing that kind of thing. Sure. So that's, like, one thing on the practical level. When Jesus is dealing with that kind of stuff, like in the Sermon on the Mount, he's dealing with a group of people who are, like, trying to find ways to make excuses to not keep their word. <laughs> so, like, an example, he'd be like, uh, well, I swore by the altar, but not the gold on the altar, so therefore, like, I yeah. can be out of my... Really dumb loophole. Yeah, and Jesus's point there, he's like, what's greater? Is it the gold on the altar or the altar that sanctifies the gold? Uh, like, and you swore by the greater thing. You want to play word games? Yeah, like, I came back in. Yeah, it's like, I'm the word, buddy. Like, I'll play word games <laughs> with you. Um, so, yeah, so there's a sense in which he's like, you just need to be a person of integrity. So, like, don't... it's like a cautionary best practices. For your benefit, you should heed this. Yes, like just let your word be your word. Interesting. And because interestingly enough, I'm reading in Revelation right now as part of my Bible reading, and you have this moment where, see, now I'm forgetting the exact details of it, but I think it's an angel. He swears by the Lord of heaven and earth. And it's like, okay, like, well, there's an instance of post, you know, new covenant establishment that an oath is sworn. Paul paid vows in Acts 21 in the Jerusalem temple. So again, it's that matter of like, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your word have integrity. Yeah. And don't be like out here, you know. Undermining that integrity by your actions. Exactly. Like if you're going to swear an oath, like you're putting yourself under, Mm. you know, and like you see throughout the the scriptures, it's kind of like, this is like a life or death kind of a thing. Like don't be doing that all willy nilly. Don't swear in such a way as to void your word. And to like exactly. empty all these things of their their content. Like another popular example in the modern day is um, like you take we call them wedding vows. More strictly speaking, they're wedding oaths because right. a vow would more specifically be something you between you and God. An oath is more between interpersonal. Yeah. So wedding vow, wedding oath, and whatever you want to call it. Um, we've called them vows forever, so that'll stick. But like, I mean, that's a case where you are making a pact, an oath to say like, mm, that's I will not break my word that I will be faithful to you in a covenant. Exactly. <laughs> you need to do that. And God tells you to do that. That's mm. like all over, I mean, Old New Testament and you got passages like, is it Malachi where he talks about you have forsaken the wife of your covenant. And he's like, you ought to have made that covenant and then not forsaken it, right? Mm. So yeah, but that's a great, great question to ask in, in lieu of all this stuff as that is a, a good point. Now with the brief time we have left before we wrap up the discussion, one brief word about a common misconception concerning covenants. Sometimes you'll hear the terms condition Conditional and unconditional applied to the covenants, like oh, like oh, this is a conditional covenant and hmm. this is an unconditional covenant. And like one example is your life. No. Yeah, like like an example would be like the Mosaic covenant, like okay. oh, well, that's a conditional covenant. You have to fulfill these conditions, and like the new hmm. covenant is like unconditional. Like okay. you don't have to do anything, right? There's a <laughs> fairly obvious problem with this whole thing is that like there is no covenant that God establishes in Scripture that doesn't have conditions. You will oh. not find it. Okay, like go look at all of them; they don't exist. Like, just by the plain text. Like, I don't know where that idea... Actually, I do know where that idea came from, but we don't have time to t- don't have time to talk about that, and we would, you know, that would raise all kinds of other questions. Point being, you just go look at the texts of the covenants. None of them are, quote-unquote, unconditional. Every single one of them has conditions. But what we're going to see in future discussions is that when there are conditions that we must meet in order to receive covenant blessings, and we realize, oh, I cannot keep the conditions of this covenant as I ought. The amazing thing is God is exactly. the one who undertakes to fulfill the conditions yeah. on our behalf. But for now, all that said, that should be enough to get us thinking about covenant in the Bible 
and give us a good starting point to actually discuss the specific covenants that God makes. Yeah. So, yeah, looking forward to it. So, if you have any questions on the topic of covenants or anything else for that matter, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net or you can interact with us on social media. And as always, if you found this content helpful and you want to leave us an honest five-star review, I won't put you under covenant to do that, but if you, <laughs> you, know, if you want to do that, that'd be great. Thank you as always for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.